listening to Live the Questions, brought to you by Chargebee, a billing system for particularly ambitious SaaS and subscription commerce startups. And I'm your host, Akash Sharma. So, in 1837, Charles Darwin presented a paper at the Geographical Society of London. And in so doing, he sets off a curious enterprise that'll last for decades. An almost maddening undertaking. Work that'll end up becoming his most successful scientific book. A book about worms. It is called The Formation of Vegetable Mold Through the Action of Worms, published in 1881. Did you notice? 1837 is when he started thinking about it. In 1881, it's almost 16,000 days in between. And his attempt was to conclude that all the vegetable mold over the whole country, England in this case, has passed many times through and will again pass many times through the intestinal canals of worms. And he studied their habits, their sensitiveness to heat and cold and sound and light, their part in the burial and the preservation of ancient Roman structures, and also their constant work and an invention that we discovered, and it's one of our most valuable inventions, as he says, the plow. But long before mankind figured it out for the land, the land was plowed and still continues to be plowed by earthworms. It may be doubted whether there are many other animals, he says, which have played so important a part in the history of the world as are these lowly organized creatures. So the willingness to put in those days, thousands of days, towards one objective, that concentration, the idea of the long cut, is what we find missing increasingly. And we know the days are deft at descending. Rains can be callous. And given the immensity of time, a lot can go against one's plans and wishes. But doesn't matter. The awnings are plenty. The muddy boots are plenty. Discoveries can still be made. Epic poems can still be penned. There's always a place for those who are willing to show up and put in the work. Year in, year out. Decade in, decade out. Today's guest has become a known name in the SAS cycles owing to his work over the last 10 months or so. But these 10 months owe themselves to the last 10 years of his life, from wanting to be an NBA player to the PGA Tour, and then listening to and working closely with people that he respected in companies like Constant Contact, Privy, and HubSpot, Dave Gerhardt has stuck with the principle of taking the long cut. In this episode, we talk about his role models, the idea of carrying the water, the importance of putting in the work and listening, 
his fascination with David Ogilvy and other legendary copywriters of the 60s and the 70s. The virtue of patience, the lessons that he has learned from golf, the practice of giving and giving, the non-traditional way they're building drift, and what most businesses misunderstand about the changing expectations of the customers. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello there, Dave. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Right, glad glad that you you could you could make it, and uh, really hoping to have uh, a good mind melt about a lot of things. Okay, glad, glad to have you here. So, the first question for the first question, we usually deploy the time machine. I'm going to deploy that again. And, okay. Uh, ask you a question about the past. So, if 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 you could pick up one instance from your childhood that could tell us a little bit about what you were like as a kid, that'll be a great start. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. So, um, as a kid, I was probably. Uh, a pain to deal with. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't always like doing my homework and and following and following the rules. But I always, you know, was kind of the the person that was making wisecracks and jokes uh, in school all the time. And then, and so yeah, I, n- I never really took. I never really took uh, the whole process of school and and doing work uh, too seriously until until later in my life. That that's kind of how I would. I would sum up my earlier years, yeah. Okay, okay. So the change happened at some point. When when did when did it uh, start start happening? As in, when, was, was was there a moment? Um, was was it an interaction yeah. with somebody? Yeah, I think I, I I wasn't an interaction with somebody. It was just the the process of of growing up and after uh, after college, realizing that um, if you if you worked hard and you did your work, then you could make more money and climb the ladder of a career and start to be more successful. Um, and so I, I learned that pretty quickly uh, after college and in getting my first job that, you know, for the first time I felt like there was a, something that you could, I could quantify uh, from working hard. Whereas I, you know, I never really cared about getting, uh, you know, uh, doing homework and getting a, a good grade on a paper or homework. But when I got into the real world and, and, and started working and got to see that there was a, you know, there could be direct results from my, uh, output at work uh-huh. and then also, also be able to, you know, make more money and, and just become more successful and learn more things. That's kind of when everything, everything kind of switched for me. Okay. Okay. So the other idea that you talk about a lot, something that you rested in is the idea of role models. So Mm. does it also mean that when you were young, you didn't really have a lot of role models? I had plenty of role models. They just turned out to be um, professional athletes. I was a big sports. I was really into sports uh, growing up and, and still am. So yeah, the role models that I had weren't 
weren't is weren't in the business world. But mm-hmm. once I got once I got into the business world, I kind of changed gears and started, um, you know, reading more books about business, paying more attention to the the trends and the people in the space. And so, yeah, over time, um, started to get role models. But actually, the the best role models that I've learned are not mm-hmm. they're not even people they're not people that. Um, you know, they're, they're not necessarily like mentors, like, uh, okay. people that you, that you meet with on a regular basis. It's just kind of people that are, you know, in, in your space and in your world that you look up to and you say, you know, I want, I want to be like this person. Right. Who, who, who's that person for you right now? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't, I don't have, I don't have one. Um, okay. I, I don't, I don't have, yeah. I don't have one, uh, a particular role model to give you, okay. uh, to give you an example for, but you know, I think, mm-hmm. um, I like I just like like watching what other successful people are, are doing, and and so for you know in this world it's people that are that are running companies that uh, running companies that are doing interesting things uh, and are and successful in the business world. Okay, okay. So if if it'll help if uh, so if if it's work. So if you're saying for, for someone whose whose work is rooted painstakingly in in, in in the toil that they put in or in the number of years that they put in and it's showing up. So if if you could just serve as one example of that, it could be anyone. Who who, who would that person be? Somebody who's somebody whose work that I admire. Yeah. I've actually been spending a lot of time so this is a, a question that I get a lot is like who are the marketing people that you look up to and uh uh-huh. I, I'm, I don't have a good time with a with a lot of role models in the in the current world, but I've been spending the last year going back and and studying all of the um, great advertising people and direct marketers. And so the the person that I've been uh, reading a lot about and and learning a lot from lately, who isn't even alive anymore, is uh, mm-hmm. David Ogilvy. David Ogilvy. Okay. Okay. Uh, great advertiser and direct marketer and. I've been so fascinated with him because all of the things that he wrote 50, 60 years ago uh-huh. uh, still still apply today. Okay. But I think a lot of times we like to go and look for like newer, what we think is newer, more interesting advice when some of the best stuff is actually buried in, you know, it, it's been the same been the same way. Uh, and and those guys are really interesting because they they spend a lot of time talking about um, people and consumer behavior. True. I, I've read Ogilvy's uh, book, book as well, and I, I think w- one of the reasons why, say, David Ogilvy in, in particular could think about a lot of things was the number of things that he did before getting into advertising. I think he speaks about that in one of the chapters as well. So he, he was a chef for some time, and he had other positions as well. Uh, so a lot of experiences and if you if you tie, tie that back to what uh, I, I think Joe Sugarman talks about and he says uh, okay these are the important things for a marketer he says you got to have a lot of general knowledge of the way the world works and then you start drawing from that into what you're trying to do specifically so that so, so, sort of reminds me of that and you wrote in one of your posts that up until seventh grade you wanted to be an NBA player. Then in eleventh <laughs> yeah. grade 
<laughs> you 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 wanted to be you wanted to pitch in the major leagues and <laughs> then you said but but by the time you got in your senior year you knew you had to have a career in the PGA tour so <laughs> uh, i can sort of tie back things there so where, where was that outlook coming from so within those short periods short years you had this goal and i'm sure you were geared up for it now you have a different goal altogether where was that outlook coming from uh the outlook was i mean that's that's what i enjoyed that's what i enjoyed doing and that's you know i at the time i couldn't imagine i couldn't imagine doing something i couldn't imagine living the rest of my life and having a career doing something that i didn't that i didn't enjoy and didn't think about doing every day and so that those were the things that i was spending the most time doing Mm-hmm. at that time in my life and 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 so that's you know when somebody asks like oh what do you want to do later this is like uh, this is what I'm enjoying <laughs> this is what I enjoy I enjoy doing now why would I want to do something else later and so so that's that's kind of what I thought um but now like I've shifted and and really enjoy what I'm doing now and so this okay. is this is exactly what I want to be doing <laughs> okay okay so what do you this this is an aside what do you do when you feel even if you're doing something that you enjoy what what do you do when you feel uninspired when i feel uninspired um i mean that happens that happens every day it happens in all different forms it could be you know everybody has their days you're just not not feeling not feeling up for it but it could even be more specific like i'm trying to write something and i just can't you know have writer's block or i, I can't figure out what what to write or uh, we're working on a new podcast episode and we don't have a good topic or mm-hmm. you know working on some something for the website but like don't have the copy um, the thing that I found I, I, I didn't realize this until recently the number one thing that helps me is to go and read and um, you know reading this is like a lesson that Ogilvy actually talked about in in his one of his books is like uh-huh. read, reading kind of reading kind of unlocks your subconscious a little bit. And so, um, you know, reading has always, has recently been helpful in kind of, you know, unlocking new ideas, whether it's, you know, helping me write or just giving, you know, unlocking like new inspiration to go, to go do something and try something new. Okay. Okay. So what was the last book that you read? Uh, the last book that I read was actually uh, the story about Twitter called Hatching Twitter. Um, I was on vacation last week, so I read I read that book, okay. and then I also read um, I also read a book called Influence, uh, which is all about human behavior and why we do the things that we do. Cialdini. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yep. Right. That's been on, on the list for a while. So. <laughs> there, there's okay there's there, there are thousands i don't know pro, pro, probably more books than you could get to in a lifetime and you make decisions about a book because you expect a certain door to open and you expect to draw something from the book you expect that something would resonate at least you 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 want a good story to come out of it when when you're looking at non-fiction so how do you when you say it unlocks your unconscious or it it affects it and forms it how does that happen 
when 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 you're when you're reading and as in what what is that process like and how do you think it shows up in your work yeah i think the thing that i've learned the most about reading is that very rarely during reading um do you actually learn something new but it oftentimes just reinforces something that you already thought uh so so for for example one of the things that um cialdini talks about in his book influence is he basically talks about seven seven kind of key key themes and uh-huh. you know just uh, one of them is an example is uh one of the big it's all about like human behavior and one of the big things is that social proof is something that has a huge impact on human behavior and you know ask any marketer or person working in this you know SaaS or tech space like of course social yeah. proof is social proof is huge right and that's something that i've always known but at the time we happened to be redoing our website and it just hit me again like wow social proof is so powerful we need to go and and revisit all of our stuff and make sure that we're making social proof a part of that and that's you know, i didn't i didn't learn about social proof through this book but it just reinforced that here's a book that you know this um, psychologist wrote in 1989 uh-huh. and we're sitting we're sitting here almost 30 years later <laughs> and it's still more it's still more applicable than ever today um, so it's it's usually lessons like that or it might be just related you know might not be a direct thing that you've known but it's been related to something else and so it's a nice way of kind of reinforcing some of the things that you already know right 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 so since 2009 since you, since you graduated college you've mm-hmm. uh, worked with a lot of people and you you've, you've been in the tech space so one of the things that that you spoke about was uh, you joined this this uh, community of people uh, out of necessity not 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 because there there was there was uh, some some sort of obsession not not because you loved it but out of necessity and uh, slowly you've grown to be fascinated with it and uh, you say that it's it's the idea of uh, people getting started with an idea and building something from nothing to generate customers and revenue. I'm just trying to paraphrase what you had said off off uh, the top of my head. And you said that all this is awesome. This this sounded awesome. So why why was it so when it did? I mean, I think <laughs> I think it's exactly what you what you said. I just. It, it it was awesome because, um, you know, just being able to create something on you know on my own. Uh, this was like a side project that I was doing, like created from from scratch and got thousands of people interested in it. Um, that that was something that uh, so David Cancel, who's my boss uh, here at Drift, he he talks about he tells a story about like the first time that he. So he's a um, engineer by background, and the, and the first time in the early days of the web, he uh, built a website, and somebody in another country sent him a note and said, "Wow, your website's really cool." And he talks about that as like the feedback loop, and that was like the really eye-opening thing <laughs> for him. And I, I felt the same way. It, it was like I, I got to experience this feedback loop for the first time, where something that I created, um, you know people that I didn't know, like not, not my wife, not my parents, like complete strangers, uh-huh. uh, were interested in something that I built. And that was, that was like, that was amazing. Right. Right. So the, the work that you've been doing and, and, uh, the, the, the companies that you've worked with, so you've, you've, you've been with HubSpot, 
you've been with uh, Privy, you've, you've been with uh, Constant Contact as well. And mm-hmm. uh, so, and, and you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of interesting people. And so, go, going from that, right, how do you t- develop it as a, and, and the, the, the way you've spoken about role models as well? So, the idea of learning from people. So, if, if you keep nonfiction aside, when you're working, right, and they, they, when you join this organization, they, they have their mental models, they have their frameworks, they think in a certain way. H- how do you ensure that you embrace them and uh, figure out a way to be a part of the team and, and just take the team further or take their mission further as uh, someone who doesn't really understand, apart from, okay, the overall mission, what they're all about because you've not spent a decade with them thinking about that idea or being worried about that idea. But suddenly mm-hmm. you are breathing it, you're living it. But how does that sudden change take space, if if it is sudden at all? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's sudden, but I think I think it starts with um, the the best one of the best pieces that, of advice that I got about work um, is, is one of the simplest. And so, somebody told me when I was taking a new job, they said the best thing that you can do when you're get, when you're starting a new job is spend your first three months listening more than talking. And that was so effective for me because it's easy to show up at a new place and want to assert yourself and show your personality and and show your things. But like you, there's so much, um, you know, internal knowledge that it takes at a company, uh, in order to be successful. And you you just can't possibly learn that on day one. And Mm -hmm. there's no, there's no way you'll be able to build relationships if you just come out and pretend to know everything on the first day. And so it doesn't have to be three months. That's a long, a long period of time. But the overall lesson is to, you know, just spend more time in your in your early days at a, at a new company, you know, listening um, and taking it in than you are, you know, pretending to be like the new person on the block that's trying to prove themselves. Right. So you said it was, it was someone who said this to you. Did you learn it the hard way? I don't know if I learned it. I didn't learn it the hard way. I just, it was just, it made, it made a lot of sense to me. And, um, you know, I think we've I think we've all worked with we've all worked at a company where a new employee started and from day one they just took over and and, and acted like they they ran the place and that's that's never the person that you want to work with and so it was more just thinking about thinking about that and trying not to be that person. Okay, okay, right, right. So I think what what, what you've uh, so uh, as I said, I've followed the work that you've done and if if I were to summarize that it's 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 an idea that Seth Godin talks about a lot as well so the idea of, of uh, a kick finisher not a kickstarter so he says that's probably the uh, a bad name for the company it should be kick <laughs> finisher and yeah. the the idea behind that is that you you don't you don't just launch right that's also what the David David speaks about your CEO the idea of not waiting for the big reveal and working in iterations working with small fragments and just 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 getting better by the day so when when you put in four years five years and you show up and and you build, build 
the the community and and you go after something right so and you you started working at drift last year and i'm i'm certain that a lot of people who know you weren't aware of who you were before that because a lot has happened in the last 12 months here and the work that you did before that those those 6 years 7 years right that just shows up and ends up in this work so what does it take to show up in this in in, in those 7 years knowing that okay yeah, it it'll it'll all pay off why did you do that i think uh it take you have to be patient i mean uh i think you know i'm i'm a millennial myself but i i think one of the there, there's a there are pros and cons to to the millennial attitude, and and a part of the millennial attitude is this like idea that you know we millennials can do anything, and so that's great. That's a great mindset, and you want to hire those people. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also it's also changed the expectations a little bit, and people assume that I'm 22, I'm 23, I can do anything. Why can't I be a VP of marketing? Why can't I be uh, a CEO right now. And so, you know, I, I think there's a certain, uh, I've worked for a bunch of different companies mm-hmm. and put in and put in the time. And even compared to a lot of people, I have barely, I'm still super early in my career and <laughs> I still, and I still feel like, you know, I've, I've been working for seven years now and I feel like that, that doesn't even count compared to some other people that have, you know, 15, 20, 30 years of experience. And so I think it's changing that that mindset to understand like yes you you can do anything but there's still a certain amount of like uh, reps and sets and and work that you have to you have to put in. It's the same reason why you know school takes you know you go through 12 grades of school and then go through four 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 years of college. It's like it takes time to get to get to a certain po- uh, point. And so I've just I've been patient. Um, I never have had any you know false uh sense of like who i am uh you know i still think that i'm i still think that i don't know anything i still think that i'm very early in my career and mm-hmm. so i think that's kind of the, the same mindset that i've had since i was 22 23 um and that that's kind of given me the perspective that everything that i do is a learning opportunity for for whatever happens after okay so learning what did you learn as uh, so you 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 did spend some time uh, playing golf, so if if you could tell us what what you picked up from that, what would that be? <laughs> uh, the thing that I learned about golf, wow, is um, there's there's so many lessons. There's so many lessons in golf. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that one of the, the one of the big things that I learned is that one day one day you can feel like you're the best golfer on the planet and everything is working right. And then you can go out to the golf course the next day, do the ex- like with the same exact everything is exactly the same, and you get up to hit the ball, and it just you, you can't do it. <laughs> you can't you, you're not hitting it. You're not hitting it well. You're hitting the ball all over the course, and you don't you don't even look like the same person as you were yesterday, uh, for no with no rhyme or reason. And I think that that can apply to to the business world. Like some days, you just don't have it, and that that's. That's totally okay, but when you don't have it, you got to figure out a way. Like, if I'm not hitting hitting the ball well out on the golf course, how, what what can I still? What are the things that I can still do to make sure that uh, I can still shoot a good score? I think that that's something that can be applied to business. Right. 
you could. <laughs> Certainly you could. So there's there's this 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 thing about give and take that Adam Grant talks about right uh, in in his uh, book that I think has the same name. It's called Give and Take. So you have had these experiences. So you've 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 been a sports person. Then you've worked with these marketing technology companies. And so what we are having, we, we have this lattice work of different ideas from different worlds all working together and producing something unique, right? And what, what ends up showing in your work is, so one of the most common things is, is uh, the idea of giving. So when, when you say that, okay, these are all the emails that we write adrift and you just, yeah. just let them out. Right, you say, yep. okay, this is it. So, what drives that behavior? Um, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, the, that's a it's a good reference from the book. Um, I think the reason that we that we give a lot of stuff away at, at Drift and just that that mindset is um, the way that most marketing is done today. It's very closed. It's very. Uh, I will give you. I will give you my emails when yeah. you give me uh, when you submit this form and you give me that and you give me your your information. Um, but if you but but actually if you look around, the best brands the best ba- brands today are the ones who are making all of their content and all, all of their information free because like the way that consumers buy things and the way that we behave is has completely changed over the last couple of years because of the internet and because of you know, everything being on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I wanted to sign up, if I wanted to sign up for Chargebee, for example, or Drift, mm-hmm. I can find out basically everything that I need to know just by Googling it, reading reviews and talking to other people. True. And so there's really no, there's really no gatekeepers anymore. And so the way that, you know, people react is, is different. They, they want to be able to see everything. And, um, you know, there's been some interesting models, whether it's, um, you know, doing things like Louis C.K. releasing, you know, his his latest comedy show on his own website versus going through one of the one of the publishers and 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 selling it for much cheaper. Um, or there's there's been a, a trend of authors just kind of giving away chapters of books for free in order to build build an audience. So that's that's the way that we're thinking about it at Drift is like our our mission is to give away all of our stuff so Drift can spread as wide as possible. And then when people when people are ready to buy from us, it, it, it becomes obvious because they've already seen our stuff all over the internet, as opposed to flipping that model the other way around. Right, right, and that and and that, that's that's great. How do you do practice this in your personal life, as in away from drift? How, how do you practice this? The, 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 the same outlook. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I try to uh, I try to be I try to be nice uh, and and help my wife out whenever she asks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the the answer is. No, I think I think okay. it's just um, I don't I don't know if it's a I don't know if there's a personal philosophy. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm a, a I was a big fan big fan of that book. I, I do have I do think that some people. Um, have taken it too far the other direction and just, uh-huh. you know, part of the, part of the, part of the thing that happens is like in the, the give and take, the give and take model is like a lot of people today will just send you a cold email and say, Hey, um, 
can we grab coffee? I want to meet with you. How's two o'clock on Thursday sound? And it's like, I don't even know. I don't even know who you are. Why should I meet with you? Why should I take an hour out of my day to go meet with, with a complete stranger? And so I think because everybody has access to everyone now, we've kind of changed the expectations of that, but that's a whole different topic for another time. <laughs> certainly, certainly. So uh, of course this, this takes you to, you were talking about the point of being uh, professional and uh, you talk about the idea of carrying water in the in the importance of carrying water in the early years so could you could you talk about that a bit i'm sorry can you just repeat that one sure uh, you 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 talk about this idea of uh, the 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 importance of carrying the water in, in, oh, the, yeah, in the yeah. early years so, yeah well, sure could, yeah i think i think I think it goes back to what um, the, you know the earlier thing that I mentioned about uh, er, being earlier in your career and, and understanding the expectations. Um, I think you know the carrying the wa- carrying the water was a podcast episode that we did, um, just basically talking about how you have to put in the work. Uh, you have to put in. You have to get. You have to get years of experience, and you have to put in the put in the time that it takes um, in order to kind of unlock the next level of your career and this even ties back to the the whole like listen more than you talk thing um as a new employee um you kind of have to you know you you have to put in the workforce first before before you're going to get something something out of it and you know that that started for for me earlier earlier in my career that meant that meant doing a ton of work that like wasn't fun and it wasn't enjoyable it was um you know doing a lot of writing behind the scenes for people without getting to put my name out there uh, or, you know, just being proactive and helping, you know, my manager do her job better and do his job better uh, and without getting a lot of credit for it publicly. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are just, those are just, those are like a couple of the examples of, of, you know, what we meant when we were talking about carrying the water, which, you know, because of the whole, because of this whole thing that we were talking about earlier, doesn't happen as much today because, people graduate from college and immediately want to climb the top of the career ladder. Right. Right. So the, that's, that's true. So w- w- one of the internets, if, if you could pin down its merits. So w- one, one of the merits is precisely the platform that it has given us to, to, to anyone to just take an idea and just, just go out there and talk about it. And so, with with that comes a lot of responsibility and something that connects to what Emerson had said. He had said the, the, the office of the scholar is is to cheer, to raise and to guide men by showing them facts amidst appearances. So when you look at your I, I'm not just trying to pin down the editorial responsibility that you have as uh someone who writes about ideas but someone who is interested in figuring out what the next few years of the world are going to look like and trying to put words to that and and trying to have the conversations that should happen right around that what what sort of responsibility does that bring in to you in 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 terms of knowing that okay i'm saying that this is about to happen but is it about to happen <laughs> yeah i mean i i actually think it goes the other way around i, I okay. think that um i don't think that it's i don't think that it's 
it's the edit i don't think it's editor editorial responsibility i think mm-hmm. pe- i think people like me outside of work and, and even mm-hmm. me me as you know a marketing person at drift it's on me to find the best sources for me to learn mm-hmm. and one of the challenges today is that like you said anybody can publish right and so anybody can have a blog anybody can have a podcast does that mean that I should trust the advice on any of those blogs and any of the podcasts? No, of course not. Sure. And this is this has been one of the challenges with uh, you know content marketing specifically is that because everybody has a blog and because everybody has a podcast, um, you know people can just we can trust we, we've just for whatever reason given trust to to any different outlet without without really giving sense of like who's an authority on this topic and you know kind of part of me misses. I miss the days of when, you know, y- yes, there's way more information available now. And this, yeah. this is great. This is great. And it powers a lot of you know, my job, <laughs> everything I do. But, you know, even, even 10 years ago, uh, if I wanted to find information, I, I would know where to look and it would just be in the newspaper and there would be one definitive, one or two definitive sources, um, mm-hmm. on a topic. And now, you know, with Twitter and everything, you have a thousand different opinions on everything. And so I think, I think it's really more on the consumer uh, to make sure that the people that you're listening to are, are people that are worth paying attention to. Right, right. So don't you think it goes to the idea of taste as in you and, and that gets built up over years? Yeah, for sure. I think it's I think it's I think it's taste. I think it's role models. I think it's the influence influences of people around you who's, who's sending you stuff. You know, I'm lucky to be able to, to work with a lot of smart people. And so they, they've kind of just become like my curators. Um, that's basically where 90% of the books that I've read have come from is from David and other people at Drift that I work Uh with. Um, and so that's nice. I think, you know, it all comes back to surrounding yourself with people who are going to make you better. Uh, and then this is just one example. Like in this, in this case for me, it means that I have a great group of people who can curate what I should be learning. Right, right, right. So again, going back to people and uh, the the circles that, that we have around us. So there's this thought, and it of course you, you you can't say that it is. There are studies behind it. They say that you are the composite average of people around you, and so you've been around. You, you worked with Mike Wolp at HubSpot. Now you you're working with David. Now he, he has about fifteen years, twenty years of experience building mm-hmm. companies. Yeah. So yep. and now you could say you, you have this work under your belt, but that wasn't always the case. There, there was a point when you were starting out, and I'm sure you're still doing a lot of things that you're doing for the first time. So mm-hmm. and especially with these people. So when it comes to conduct, has there been an incident that that you've not you've not forgive, forgiven yourself for it or a mistake that you made and of course you learned a lot from it but you still you still feel it, I wish it could have been otherwise is there, is there anything that, that comes to mind have I made are, so you're asking me if I've made a mistake that I regret yes when it, <laughs> when, when, when it comes to conducts with, with these people so I'm, I'm, I'm just saying the you said the idea of a rookie, right? A rookie carrying pads for mm. seniors 
and mm-hmm. uh, but but okay that is a simple job but you've not been involved in simple jobs all the time you've 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 been involved in jobs that require mental labor of of uh, some capacity so um have you ever been in that situation where you ended up making a mistake and how, how did that go if it did happen yeah i i <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of one off the top, top of my head. That's not to say that. That's not to say that I that I uh, I haven't I haven't made made mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. I've just I've always tried to be really self aware, and so I feel like that has helped me not make some of the the silly mistakes. Um, you know, earlier on uh, in, in my career. But, you know, I, w- I wish I had a, I wish I had a good example of, of something that I, that I screwed up to give you, but I don't. <laughs> All right. So you've, you've had uh, a pretty good record in that part. I'll, I'll take that for you. And then I knew yeah, that. So not, I just not, still not, wanted to not, ask. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. Still, still wanted to ask, because I know stuff that you've learned, you talk about it. And, uh, I, I felt that is not something you've spoken about. So that that was that was one question on the list is because of that. So uh, a lot of things that I've learned in the last few months about how do you tell your story to people is from the work that you are doing adrift and uh, the the amount of interest that's that 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 you put in in solving a certain thing in a certain way. So if you think about marketing that's 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 your thing every day right when you when you when you get up that's that's probably what you're thinking about and it sees through the day so what do you have an internal conflict with 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 an idea that's that you're trying to wrestle with right now that one part of you believes is a certain way and the other part disagrees with is 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 there an internal conflict then when it when it comes to the the field that that you're working in right now um, there's not, I guess, I guess that in turn, not, not really. I mean, we've, okay. we've, we've been, um, you know, we, we, we've been for a year now and, and we've basically kind of just done it our, done it our own way since day one. And that was, that was the tone that, um, David and Elias, who are the, the drift founders kind of set is like, Hey, we, you know, we're in, we're in this for the long run and we want to do things differently. So they've been really hard uh, pushing hard on me to not mm. do things, not do things the traditional way, and so when you have a, you know, when you have management, a management team who's who's pushing you to not do things the traditional way, mm-hmm. it's easier, it's easier to feel better about what you're doing, and and you have more of a, more of a leash. Right? I, I know a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people that read our content and drift. Um, I get emails every day, and they say, hey, I really love what you're doing. I totally agree. Uh-huh. Uh, with the whole with the whole like no no forms thing and no uh, you know that whole movement, but you know it's so hard at my company. We've been doing it this way for years, or my boss wants us to do it that way. So like I can totally totally relate to that. And um, you know we took a lot of heat for doing that. We had a lot of supporters, but a lot of people took a lot of heat. And they're like, well, have you tested this? How did this work? And mm-hmm. you know we were lucky enough to be able to say this is how we decided to launch and and, and start doing marketing at Drift. So this is like the way that we've done it since day one. So we we only know we really only know doing it this way. Okay, okay, right. So not playing by the book, not following tradition. What what is what is the proudest thing that you've done in this regard 
thing that you you're the most proud of? Yeah, I think I think um, the you know the thing that I'm most proud of is the decision that we made at Drift to just basically uh, give all of our give all of our stuff away for free uh, on the marketing side of things, and and that that has made my job so much fun um, because it just means that you know our mission is to just spread our brand uh, as far as possible. Um, so th- that's that's been the thing, and and honestly, the the brand that we've created, I think the brand is gonna it takes a long time, but just in yeah. in year one in year one the brand that we've created you know we we right now we might not have the biggest audience in the world but you know we have this group of like passionate uh, people who are really passionate about about what we're doing and the path that we're heading on and so that that's been the most fun and it just goes back to the to the feedback loop that we've you know we've talked about a bunch today is just the feeling of you know we created we created something and and now you know thousands of people are are, are interested in kind of on this journey with us Right, and how how does one know that the the story deserves an an audience like that? So when when you say, of course, there are thousands of people following you. There there are eight thousand people who get your emails, and the emails are great. By the way, people should sign up for them. <laughs> but 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 so all, all these people, right? You know, you you you're building this. How do you know that this is important? The 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 story that's driving you why do you think it is important i i think it's important because i've seen the the response it should never be it should never be my job it, it should never be me i shouldn't be the one telling you know deciding on whether something is important or not that should always uh-huh. fall you know that should always fall to the people who are in our audience or our customers so uh-huh. you know internally if we're if we're building a new product feature we it doesn't matter if we here at Drift think that this is important. It matters if we launch it and our customers think it's important. And so, um, you know, kind of one of our one of our mind mindsets at Drift is to basically default to being wrong until we're proved otherwise by by our customers and and people. And so that that helps that helps take some of the the guesswork out of it. And so yeah, I could have we could have launched this whole like no leads lead forms thing uh-huh. and one per and one person in the whole world could have been interested in it and then it wouldn't have been a success, but we launched it and we felt the response right away and so then you you, you know, we're able to double down on something. Right. Right. I, I agree. I agree. Right. So, uh, well, how are things looking now? So when, when you look at the next uh, 3 years, if you if you could map out things that you want to do and uh, going in the non-traditional realm what are those things yeah I, th- I mean this is three years is, is an impossible is an impossible amount of time to look out <laughs> I don't I don't even know what we're doing next week um, everything just moves moves so fast but um, you know I think the thing that we're most excited about is this the shift that's happening uh, in the business world with with messaging mm-hmm. um, and specifically how it's changing the way that, that people buy. Um, you know, I, I think if we look at, we don't, I don't, I don't think either of us needs a fancy looking chart uh, to, to show that messaging is, is exploding and messaging is everywhere. But if you go sure. and you try to work, you know, the industry that we're in, which is B2B, go, go to any B2B business and, and you know, the 90% of them are still doing things this old school traditional way. Um, and so, you know, we're really excited about helping businesses get closer to their customers by bringing messaging into the sales and, and customer success world. Right. And that goes 
to to the idea of uh, marketing and sales the way they work right now being broken? Yeah, for sure. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Okay. So you, but, and and you know that you, when when you were working constant contact when you were working at HubSpot, uh, these people. So th- you were in uh, those those formative years, right? You were around these companies, and they introduced these ideas. If, if not, if not introduced, they that popularized these ideas of uh, building a business this way or nurturing people this way, right? And so, when 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 you've seen that happening for four years or three years, the time that you've spent there, uh, how do you get to that transition? Isn't the of of uh, your way of thinking when you say no, this isn't the right way to do it. I think you have to put in the time. You have to figure out what's right. Uh, you have to understand what's right and what's wrong. And also, over time, things change. Like, should somebody should somebody who grew up working before technology still feel that technology is not the right way to work? Like, no, you, you adapt and you adjust to based on what's going on around you. And really that's just been, that's all I've done is, you know, things are changing every day in this world. And so I've just been open to learning about them and, and trying, trying new things and understanding that, you know, a lot of people in this space are just kind of, you just become used to the best practices and the way that everybody else tells you to do it but sometimes mm-hmm. you got to try to you got to try to figure out your own way right right and is there is there something that you think still a lot of people misunderstand even after whatever has happened in the in the last few years of uh, people understanding that uh, the, the the importance of understanding customers and the uh, Keeping them first in all the decisions that are made, and tying your 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 KPIs back back to making sure they they relate to the customer's progress, right? All of that is there still. What is that one thing that you think is is just misunderstood outright all the time? I think, uh, man, this is that's a tough question. I'm not, um... I don't know. I think I think that I think people I think customer feedback is one of those things that people talk about because it's it's like it's a hot topic, but I'm not always sure that people bring that into into sales and marketing. It, it's a little bit easier to do on the product side is built, uh-huh. you know, building things that you're getting feedback on. Right. Um, but I think it's I think it's easier on the on the sales and marketing side to to be driven by uh, our metrics and not not the customer metrics and so you know if my goal as a marketer was leads i could do a lot of things to game to game that if i you know if they paid me my if they paid me my salary at drift based on the number of leads that i got think about how different my behavior would be um then you know then 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 what it actually is where you know i'm not not paid on a per lead basis Mm -hmm. and my goal is to get us new customers and so that that changes, you know, the way that we that we do sales and marketing. So I think, I think it's just you know yeah. being more yeah. being being more in tune to to how real people real people actually behave, you know, when we're when we're the ones that are doing sales and marketing. Because, like, I don't ever answer my phone. I rarely reply to cold emails, and and yet. Same here. And, and, and and right, you you don't either, and none of my friends in marketing do, and none of my friends in sales do. But then, 
in our jobs, that's the, those are the tools and those are the methods that we all use. Right, right. And so that, that doesn't make sense. And so that, that, that's kind of like the whole customer, bringing customer feedback and just understanding what you're trying to do and bringing that into marketing. Okay, great. Right. I think we're, we're com- coming to a close. So I'll, I just, I'm just going to, okay. we went with the flow on a few questions here. So I, I had a few questions that I wanted to ask. And so one of them is, in, in you, you talk about grind a lot, right? Just, just putting in the time, we've, we've covered that through through other questions that we have discussed. And how important do you think are rituals or habits? And uh, do you have any non-negotiable habits that you stick <coughs> with every day? Yeah, I, uh, I go to the gym every morning and that's kind of a non-negotiable thing. I try not to book, I try not to book meetings first thing in the morning because, um, that's when I get my best work done. And so, uh-huh. uh, the, the gym is an important thing for me in the morning. It's, so that means I, I try to go to bed early and, and don't really do much at night during the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I try to block my schedule for, for the first half of, of the morning, uh, in the office. And that, that's not always realistic based on what's happening, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I know that, I know that that's when I get my best work done and, and most productive. So those are kind of the, those are kind of the two rituals for, for me. Right. Okay. Okay. So, uh, we'll get to the next question. And this is, uh, some, something that the writer Ray Bradbury said in an interview and, uh, is connected to how, how you think about, uh, people you've learned from. And he said, I've, I've had my literary loves and I, I like to think of myself on a train going across America at midnight conversing with my favorite authors. And on that train would be people like George Bernard Shaw, who is interested in the fiction of ideas. And then he goes on to list a lot of other writers. So if you were on such a train, who would you pick to have such conversations with? Oh man! If I was on a train, I, I I would if I already mentioned Ogilvy, I would I would probably grab him uh, <laughs> and, and a bunch of the other you know old school marketing guys. That that's the most important thing for me for me to learn right now. So I would I would surround myself with them. Although um, I don't know if I can drink as much as they they could. <laughs> but I, think, I think they would be good to learn from. <laughs> what would you ask David Ogilvy? Um, I would ask him how he would cut through all of the noise uh, that every company in this space is putting out right now. Okay, okay. I'm sure you're going to get a hell of an answer. Uh, he, sure. he, he, he could think back to burn back and say, this guy did it with the Beatle. Yeah. You can certainly do it with Drift. So exactly. Say. Right, okay. One final question. What advice do you have for someone who has no idea what he is up to and is just trying to figure things out, knows that he has held many passions, but none of them have really turned out to be things, undertakings that he, that he, that he wants to do every day. So what advice would you have for this somebody? Read. I never thought... 
I never did it. It wasn't important to me, but I've been spending a lot more time reading and learning from others. And especially today, you can find anything out. You can learn anything that you want to learn by listening to podcasts and reading, and that's great. But then you have to go do it. And so, you know, reading is great. That would be step number one. But the second step is just go go do something. The the most influential thing for me was was starting a side project and just mm-hmm you know, being my own boss and having to figure that out. So, you know, the best way to learn is by doing. So start, start with reading, but then actually go out and try to try to apply some of that stuff on your own. And there's really no excuse. You can build anything online today. Right. And these small things that you put up make you the kick finisher that you were talking about slow and steady. You just, just yep. keep putting them out. Something comes up. Yep. Right. Thanks, David. Uh, I'm yeah, sorry. That, 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 is, that is something that... So our aim with this was just, just, just to understand where does the thinking that, that is leading drift where it's going right now as a company. And a lot of people look up to the work that you guys are doing. And uh, it's, it's, just, it's just good to understand where, where, all, where does all that comes from, right? the, the thinking. I, I, w- I would love to have... Uh, David on on the show sometime in the future as well, but that's that's for 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 the future, and we could figure that out. That's he's another person who I would want to ask a lot of questions. But yeah, for now, I want to ask a lot of questions, and uh, so 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 we did, and had great answers from you. Thanks for taking the time out to do this. I I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening. So, who would you want to get on a train with? Who are your role models? And how do you think about taking the long cuts? If you admire David's work and anything that he said today resonated with your heart, let him know. I'll add his Twitter handle in the show notes. And if you'd like to get more such conversations, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. Whatever it is, that's the place of events for your audio. And this episode in particular reminded me of something that Werner Herzog said in an interview recently. And I'll leave you with that. My my life was given to me, he said, by some strange coincidence. Statistically improbable. Now, I'd better figure out what to do with it. I'll see you in the next episode. Till then, keep living the questions.